0: Hello and welcome to episode three of the season, the Preview Podcast. Um, it's always been a staple of Glenn and I um, doing the podcast, um, and it does seem very sad um, doing this podcast about Glyn for the first time. This is the eighth year of the podcast, and the first time um, we're doing a podcast about Glyn, um, and you guys have always been on the, the Preview Podcast as well, um, so yeah, it does seem very, yeah, sad. Um, I was coming back from Austria, one of Glenn's favourite countries, a few weeks ago, and it yeah, didn't make me think of Glenn and yeah here we are new season without Glenn and yeah we, a lot of people I was chatting to quite a few people uh, the game the game I went to at Starbridge. a few other people saying they missed Glynn's presence on Twitter um, I think he would have absolutely loved this summer um, and he would have been a huge presence online with all the the crisis and this chairman's comments and um, getting a new director of football and yeah it's sad to go into a new season without Glynn. Um yeah just a just a moment to think about him yeah it's uh,
1: it, it's particularly strange, uh, you know. My first season watching a town with Glyn was in 1993. So this is my first season going into any Shrewsbury Town related activities without him. Uh, right next to me on the terrace, I went to the I went to the pre season friendly against County, and um, I really missed him at that game because none of our other friends went, apart from Tom the Eggman, who kept me company. But um, a half time sort of went for a wander outside the stand to you know stretch the kids' legs, and he just wasn't there, and I was on my own. So. It, it feels strange to be going to football without him. It feels strange to be doing a podcast without him, you know, starting a season where he won't feature. Um, I did think at some point in the season, I might start listening back to some of the old episodes with him on. So he's still part of the season a little bit and, and we can keep him, keep him part of the club as well. Um, but I, we, his kids will still be there. So we'll, we'll be making sure he's there in spirit anyway. Um, but yeah, like you say, Ollie, it, it's difficult, but he'll be so chuffed that we're still doing it. And he, he probably couldn't think of a better group of lads to pick it up and, and carry it on, uh, on his behalf. So um to a good season, we can hopefully have some good pods out of
0: it anyway. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, Mike. And yeah, it's good to because for you to be on the podcast as well. Um, sometimes I think will some people so they couldn't tell you between your, your voice and Gwen's voice. Um, so it's good to have <laughs> yeah, it's very true, actually. Yeah, they probably yeah. don't know
1: any different, do they? Yeah, we both talking a <laughs> the rubbish as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, so talking of this season, um, it's an interesting season, isn't it? Obviously, we've got director of football, we've got a new manager, a manager that got sacked at Warsaw um chris what's your thoughts going to this season
2: it's i'm excited about it in many ways more than i have been it for a few years because i suppose it's a journey into the unknown and that you know that that bit of what's going to happen and not having any real clue is quite exciting for me right now you know i I might feel very different about that by the end of August, if if that started to turn out to be truly horrific. But right now I'm looking forward to it. It it feels different. It feels like a a huge sea change in the way we've done things. But if uh, I I look forward to seeing how it works out, as it were, you know, we're going to talk in a minute, I think about what can, what constitutes success this season. And I certainly don't expect us to go and win the league this season or anything crazy like that, but maybe we're going to play a little bit differently. Maybe over the course of the season, we'll see that evolve and, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these young players we've brought in and seeing if any of them actually do uh, cut the mustard,
0: as it were. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Dan, well, you, you put some good comments into the agenda. Um, yeah, what, what, what's, what's your kind of view looking at this season?
3: Yeah, well, I, I think if you first
0: up, if you're not hopeful
3: in the week before the season commence, then 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 that really would worry me e- even teams who know that they might struggle a bit you-, you should go into a new season with a modicum of hope otherwise my goodness me what the hell are you going to be like by the time you get to cold tuesday nights in february so so I'm-, I'm very much with with chris in general that the feeling is that we've set out in a slightly different direction and uh, let let's see where the journey takes us and i'm you know I'm-, I'm all in for that that's good um in terms of what a successful season is well i think that's really tricky actually ollie and i think it goes without saying different teams have different aims but different clubs will have different aims season on season. And I mean, we, we as, as we all know, we, we, we did pretty well last year, historically speaking. You know, we if you ask me to place where we are as a football club, I'd say we're probably um, in the lower half of League One, historically. You know, when we're in League Two, I expect us to go up, or Division Four, I expect us to go up. When we're in the Championship, I was friendly thinking, this is the season we go down. It, in League One is our natural habitat. The question is whereabouts. So... Twelfth places is overperforming in the great historical sweep, but d- does that mean that we've underperformed if we finish thirteenth this year? Now I'm not sure it does. It might do. You know, if we have a, if we have a brilliant start and then drift really badly, then we'll have underperformed. If we start like a drain and then find our feet over time because the coach you know makes an impact, gets his players playing the way he wants, and then we finish thirteenth, that would be completely different but we could still have finished 13th with two very different narratives. So I'm quite intrigued as to what fans think a successful season looks like. I mean, you've got to throw in things like the budget as well and our financial context. Now, I don't know the exact numbers about what we spent in any season, quite frankly, but I do think that this season, the likelihood is we're going to have a, a smaller budget than we had last year. Now, we just sold Luke Leahy for a fair old wedge. We, we, we may well have... Different financial options because of what we've done with other players. So it may be our financial situation is actually as bad as I fear it is. But I think there's a lot of things coming together that that will affect whether I think the season has been a success or not. I think uh, the, the the league position is where I start. But unless we go down, then if we go down, it's a disaster. But everywhere else, I'm open to persuasion as to why we finished where we finished, and and that that will then ultimately lead me to reflect on whether it's been a good, bad, or middling campaign I don't know if that was a load of waffle Ollie, or you see where I'm coming from there but I think there's a lot going into whether this is going to be a success or not
0: I think that's a really interesting point because like you say it's a random random example like David Moyes why did David Moyes get sacked because he wasn't making progress and I think we need to feel like we're making progress now that doesn't necessarily mean we finish above 12th But if a couple of these project players start doing well, that the the lad we've signed from Ireland or whatever, and it feels like we're moving somewhere, I think that would feel like progress. Um, I think we have to acknowledge that we've gone down a different path. Um, Yeah, I totally get the style of football under Steve Cottery. Yes, we finished 12th, but was it enjoyable? Not for me. Um, So yeah, I think a few things still need to be clarified with the club. The financial situation for me is confusing. Mickey Moore said that last year's budget was about 18th, and this year's budget was about 18th. So what happened with the finances? Maybe we'll never know. But yeah, for me, for me this season needs to be a season of progress. Um, what's your thoughts, Mike?
1: Well, I think I'm going to have Dan pretty worried because I'm not going into this season with a huge amount of hope, if I'm honest with you. Um, and, and, and it comes back to the point of, of the amount of untried risk we're, we're carrying in with us. So I think you have to remember that Steve Cottrell didn't get poached by a bigger club. We chose to get rid of Steve Cottrell. So the club has got rid of for whatever reason. A, a guy that finished a sort of a historically good season finish, regardless of budget, regardless of the size of his squad or the style of play. At the end of the day, we finished 12th last season. So we've got rid of him. Roland has for whatever reason, and he's employed a new manager. Now the, the idea of the new manager is, I presume not to take us backwards. I presume they haven't employed this guy to finish 15th, 16th, 17th. If last season we finished 12th. So for my money, you know, I'm I'm looking for progress or at least as good as we did last season. Otherwise, What is the point? What's the point of changing manager? Is that league position that's going
0: to decide that?
1: Yeah, I mean, football is the results business, isn't it? At the end of the season, where you finish dictates how good a season you've had. I don't want to play attacking football and finish 17th. I don't want to have five, four ding-dong matches and get relegated. I don't care how entertained I am if we end up with a shit season at the end of it. It's not not why I go to football. I go to football to see my football club finish as high as they can in the table so you can be proud of the season that you achieved. You know, it's... Paul, the football we played under Paul Hurst was not always brilliant but I look on that season with such fondness as sort of a high point of my of my football following career if you call it that um, so I'm a little bit more I'm a little bit more waiting to be won over with that said and I'll caveat it like I did on the previous pod I want this team to do well I want Matty Taylor to be a success I want all of these untapped gems to be brilliant footballers for Shrewdby Town and I'm happy to eat humble pie at the end of the season we've we've achieved something. I'd also agree with Dan's point about there is, a, there is a narrative to every season. And if there's a dramatic turnaround or you know there's some more business down the transfer window that, that turns turns our fortunes around, brilliant. I'm, I'm more than happy with that. But from where we stand with some of the players we've lost and the change in the manager, I, I, I remain to be convinced, I suppose I would say.
2: I think those are perfectly fair comments, Mike. I mean, I think you're, you're you're certainly not on your own with that from the stuff I see on social media. I think there's plenty of Shrewsbury fans out there who feel exactly like you do or frankly worse. So you know, I, I think there's nothing there that you've said that you're not entitled to feel. In terms of just judging us on league position, I do think Matty Taylor doesn't deserve to be judged as failure if he doesn't finish at least 12th because you're not comparing apples with pears. Moore did say in his first interview that the budget was less. I mean, I agree with Ollie. It's been a bit confusing, but he, he, he specifically said that the budget is significant. I can't remember if the word was drastically or significantly, but I remember I was alarmed at the time by him coming out with the statement that we're spending less money on players. Maybe the sale of Lutley, he's changed that. I don't know. But it, it, we got the impression that we were certainly going to be spending a lot less on our squad. Somehow they're producing a bigger squad on less money. So again, that feels confusing as well. But things have changed and I I think Matty Taylor deserves a bit more than one season to be judged as long as he keeps us up obviously he deserves more time to be judged on whether he's a success or a failure you said you don't want to see the team go back and finish 16th how do you feel if we finish 16th but in the last two months of the season it's clear that something good is happening in that team and and that the next season looks like being a really exciting one and things are progressing well clearly progressing football's a long-term game sometimes
1: yeah, but I would say that'd be great. But, I mean, we spoke in the previous pod about um, signings this season and signings next season. There was some conversation around us losing a few of our established players in another squad turnaround. So, what you are building at the end of this season can't necessarily be carried over unless you can keep a consistent squad or you keep pulling rabbits out of hat in the transfer market. So, you know, again, I, that for me is a, a toss of a coin. But I, I get what you're saying. And, and if there's a, a definitive style under Taylor developing um, and it goes away from a low block and it goes away from a counter-attacking team, yeah, possibly. Um I see where you're
0: coming from, yeah. It's a nice introduction to the podcast. So let's just jump straight into some of these predictions. So, league position, as, as Mike said, that's the be on end all. It's going to decide. A lot of fans, I think Mike's right, a lot of fans will judge our success by where we stand in the league table. Um, so, yeah, Dan, what where what's what league position have you gone for?
3: Well, historically, I, I am um, beyond useless at predicting more or less Everything, except Raquel Pike being a breakthrough player. I think I got that one right. Um, but that aside, <laughs> and of course that's unquantifiable, which is why I'm prepared to say it here.
2: So much um, of a breakthrough, Dan, that he got released, of course. Um, details, Chris, details. Um,
3: it's about the narrative.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
3: Where are we going to finish? Um, I don't know. Uh, and 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 ov- obviously I don't know. But, but my feeling is that we will have moments in the season that are positive. We will have moments in the season where we play some good football. Um, and I suspect we'll have a few good results. I'm thinking, you know, um, going away to teams that probably don't know much about us and, and, and surprise and those type of good results, you know. Um, do I think we're likely to be in for the long haul um, in the top half of the table? I'd love to say yes, but my, my instinct now is that that might be a bridge too far. So I, I've gone for 16th. I nearly went for 17th, but it's just like, we spent so much time in 17th, I couldn't quite bring myself to do it. So um, so I went, I went for 16th, which says to me, we're going to have we're going to have periods where we might be worried about relegation, but ultimately we'll, we'll have had enough at the at key moments in the season to mean that we're um, that we're a little bit above that. So um, that means that the one position we're not going to finish is 16th. That's what I'm going for.
0: Who'd you go for, Mike?
1: I dived straight in at 17th. I couldn't help it. I was drawn like a moth <laughs> to a to a flame. Um, you, know, it, you know, I'm not going to harp on about the same things. I, I sort of made my case of why I'm a little bit skeptical about the season, but. You know, I I think I think there's enough there to avoid relegation. I think there's enough worse teams, um, from what I read around around the sort of press and things that, that we can survive. But um yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just sort of a you know, a lower mid table sort of nothing season is what I'm expecting. I'm happy to be proved wrong. I keep <laughs> saying that.
0: And Chris, who did you go for? Where, what position?
2: So this is weird for me, Ollie. I'm I'm finding myself in the position of being the optimistic one, and I'm never the optimistic one. I'm a cautious, natural pessimist. So I don't really know what's going on, but my prediction I've put down is 13th, and that would have us finishing roughly close to where we were last year. Not quite 12th, Mike. So maybe that's still a failure, but I can I could see us being somewhere around the middle, and I've plumped for 13th. I, I hope that we're around there or better. Uh, I've got, I think we've got the core squad from... We've got some good players left, as long as we don't lose any more of them. And I, I'm hoping that two or three of these lads we've brought in will click. I like the, look, uh, the sound of Kenner. I like the sound of Anderson. I think there's other good players that we've brought in that will contribute to this side. So, fingers crossed, we can be somewhere near where we were last year. And that's my prediction, 13th.
0: Cool. And I went for 14th. Um, so, I was in a bit of a high post q and um, I thought maybe we'd finish a bit higher but kind of come back down to earth and yeah I, th- I look at the league table and the league table doesn't look as tough as it did last year, um, I think the teams that have come down aren't as good, the teams that went up and left um, were some really really good sides and obviously had some quite historic highs in terms of top three teams, getting those totals was quite epic. Um, I think it's an I think it's an easier in co- in brackets you know kind of division this year in commerce, um, so I think there's a chance for us to do okay. Um, so yeah, I went for fourteenth, um, so that's kind of where I've I've passed. Um, in terms of um, breakthrough player, um, it's a bit of a harder year this year, I think, to do this because there's so many unknowns. But um, yeah, Mike, who did you go for?
1: I went for uh, Kenny or Kenny, however you say it. Um, I haven't seen him on Saturday, that's all I'm basing it on. Um, he looked like he had all the attributes I'm a little bit wayward with this passing, but he looks a big, strong, a physical, imposing central midfielder He can get up and down and add, add moments of, of quality. Um, so yeah, I, I think that if he can make it click, he, he's got all the, all the all the basics there to be a really effective uh, midfield general. So he was my pick.
3: Um, yeah, I thought about him, but um, I, in, in a completely irrational, illogical way, I tried to spread my thinking around a little bit, so I'll get back to him a bit later, but um. I thought somebody like Taylor Perry, of course he's played he's played played at Cheltenham quite a bit, you know, Cheltenham, gonna be an interesting game on Saturday with all the linkages we got there but um he's also got a decent pedigree with wolves um I've not seen too much of us at all this season, so I've got no idea how he's going to fit in with the with the team, but it seems to me he has enough of a pedigree to expect that if he has a fair crack at the whip and if things go you know r- run with him then 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 he might have a chance of uh, of making an impression but um again. It's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a sort of poke in the dark, really.
2: Chris? So I've got Joe Anderson, uh, a bit like Dan. I haven't seen us play yet. I haven't been able to get to the pre-season friendlies because I was away for the last uh, 11 days, so I've missed all of them. Uh, But I like what I read about Anderson. He's 22 years old and yet he's barely kicked a ball in senior football. So if he plays regularly this season, that in itself is a breakthrough for him. So on the subject of breakthrough player, I figure if that guy plays 30 games, that's a breakthrough season for him. So, yeah, I fancy that he's probably been brought in to be a regular part of our side and we'll see quite a bit of him. So fingers crossed he lives up to everything that, uh, that Taylor and Moore have said about him
0: yeah and I, I went for Hernes. um i' have a bit of a wild card option. hear good things about him. Um, I hope he does well also I've put him as a quite a high rating, a high potential football manager, so hopefully those t- things come true if I get it past my football manager line manager um, I've got to call you get out get here. i I've got to
2: call you out here am i am I pronouncing this completely wrong or hermes is it, Hearns, it or am I an idiot? Hearns. So how you pronounce surely, it?
1: Surely surely Hearns, yeah, sure. Hearns.
2: Okay, thank you for that. I thought, who's um, yeah. "Hernies," And then I realised who you were talking well, about. Is it really funny I, I'd that?
3: be careful, you you white middle-class men from Shropshire. Let, let's have a look, see how this one develops. right? I. I well, he
2: is I, Norwegian.
3: So. Yeah, I
0: know. but that's <laughs> yeah, So okay. how do you pronounce it, Dan? H- H-
3: Hearnes. Yeah, goodness knows. I mean, I was going to say her knees, but I mean, that's that's based oh, okay. on. Interesting. Yeah,
0: this is yeah. one of the things that Glenn used to always struggle with was pronunciations. And yeah, we signed um, yeah a few players of a Nigerian origin, which always is a challenge for me to pronounce. Yeah. And I used to normally wait for the, the Stu Dunn test and then pronounce players yeah. after that. Uh, Glenn used to say that player or that right back we signed. Well, most continental
3: um, European languages, they pronounce more letters than we do. So I, I think I, I think that that would mean I go well, to ease at the end. This I'm is not a sure if this man,
2: this who's going to get this name right. <laughs> How Norwegian actually is he, though, Dan? I mean, I know he's playing for Norway, but Travis Hearns, it doesn't sound a very Norwegian name. I wondered if he was, you know,
1: got a Norwegian
0: grandmother or something.
1: That's Travis, Travis Hernes so it sounds, you know, yeah, Spanish, it could be
0: anything. There we go. It could be Spanish, there we go. He's definitely going to be good if he's Spanish. So, yeah, I, I also... I introverted away was, on this
3: part? We haven't got bloody clue what we're talking about, have we? We haven't know? got a clue. We
0: haven't if got he's not from Minsley... And, and that, me and Dan are know, drinking alcohol as well, Continuing to get worse. Mm. Uh And I downed my can probably too fast as well. Um, So, in terms of, um, yeah, I break through, just to see how he gets on. I, I did see him against Starbridge, I thought he looked really good. So, yeah, something to get excited about. It's about time we had a good youth player come in and get himself in the first team. Only before. 17
2: as well. So, yeah, it's exciting yeah. to have on that young. And they've given him squad number 19. I, I, that felt significant. Yeah. We All the other young lads are number 30-something. I, yeah. So, I don't know how much you can read into this, but it felt like it means something.
0: I'm going to add a caveat now. The game is 46 seasons. So, if he hasn't played after 20 games, I've still got a chance because there's still another another 26 to go. So, yeah. <laughs> full season to go there um so yeah so that was that was who i went for um chris top goal scorer um actually you can just mention this to everyone because we all went for the same player because let's be honest there's only really one option so chris who did Salapkas go for for top goal scorer of the year marco morosi
2: no danudo <laughs> Dan of course yeah danudo yeah. is um and it's nice that he's got that first goal in pre-season. He scored against Notts County. A good goal as well. While I wasn't there, I've seen the goal because the club kindly shared it on social media. So good, powerful run, good finish. And that was just encouraging to make you think that Danudo has got over that injury and is ready to contribute. So yeah, let's hope that we've got the Dan Udo of a couple of seasons ago and you know we could be in for a good year from him. So yeah, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, no, good. I think it's a, it's a fair shout. There not really many options to say. Maybe Tom Bayless, maybe could have a a, a, a free role as a number ten and score a little goals. But yeah, I think Dan and Dozer. Or do safe we have to take the penalties, Ollie? We don't know the penalty taker. Or yeah,
3: that, we that's ten a, again or whatever we had last year. Then yeah, did notice that Max Matter
2: takes penalties for Sligo. So if if it's true that we're signing Max Matter, that could be our penalty taker as well. Who knows?
0: So yeah, uh, fingers crossed. Phones can sign a few players before, or well, before Saturday, to be honest, because we're a bit light in certain areas. So, Captain, Dan. Captain. So, I think it's really important. We normally do this. We do normally say if the captain is not been decided, but on the podcast, and I, I'm using the agenda from a few years ago. Um So, yeah, Dan, how important is it for us to, to, to kind of talk about the captain?
3: Who cares, Ollie, who the captain is? That would be my immediate response. I, I think it's fascinating, in all seriousness, that, that – uh, I always meant the England captain is a thing. The England right? captain is a big thing. Yeah, and, and I have no idea why. I mean, a number of other continental European countries just ask the player with the most caps to be the captain. Will Shay Dunkley stop being Shay Dunkley just because he's not captain? Of course he won't. He'll still be this imposing figure at the back. I just think the whole captain thing is, is, is a massive... Um, it's people like you, Hudson, in newspapers, finding someone to write about. That's what it, it, it used to
2: be. I just want to point yeah. out, I haven't, I haven't worked for a newspaper, down for over 11 years. No, so but marked,
0: like you Hudson. Your card is marked. Absolutely. Ever marked?
3: I think it's a, it's a topic that we discuss, and I find it zero relevance. You know, they don't pick a bat in order. They don't decide who bowls next. Yeah, they don't decide whether you you know the, the things you do from set pieces in rugby union or rugby league. The, the, the captain, to me, is a is a you know they they choose which way you kick in the first half, and then the other eleven players put their own personalities on a game. And Luke Leahy, he would have been an inspirational figure whether he were captain or not. He'll go around and moan at every decision. He'll you know he'll he'll play with his heart on his sleeve. So so I really think the whole debate is a bit nonsensical. So I don't care who's captain. I mean, if you if I had to give it to somebody. I'd probably give it to Dunkley, but that's because I generally, you know, I, I think he, he looks like somebody you, you'd. Thanks for contributing to for the, your <laughs> captain pick. I appreciate it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so he does care, really.
0: I, I he think, does. I think He
3: really wants Dunkley. No, no, no I go the other way. we be the first team ever not to have a captain.
0: <laughs> I am. Um... I feel like is that a team, team breach crit- of EFL rules, Not
3: It probably is, you're right. We've got to get fined for it, won't we? Yeah. Mike, bring us back. Voice of reason. Well,
0: on. I feel like
1: the, the team contrarian tonight. I feel like I'm disagreeing with everybody, but I, I believe there is a role to be played by the captain. I think I think they have a role to play in setting the standards for the team. Um, and I think a lot of it probably happens off the playing field on a Saturday. I think the captain sets the standards in training. I think the captain's got a lot of to do around team bonding, around, you know, sort of sorting out the fines and making sure the squad's cohesive. He's got a lot to do with bonding as well. I, I believe that for people like Luke Lee, he have played a ma- major role in that over the last few years. But I also think on a Saturday... We'd we'll go for know, Harry Burgoyne then, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, well, yeah but, yeah, but then he's got to be on the pitch on a Saturday. And Harry Burgoyne oh, is isn't going to be there. Yeah. Oh, so then on a Saturday, there is, there, is, there is a role to be played there about, about spotting people who are struggling possibly and, and just giving them that bit of a, a chat from a position of, you know, authority in the team, just to get an extra 1%, 2% out of, you know, football's a game of, as Mickey Mellon always said, fine margins. And if your captain can can just bring somebody back from, you know, get the head, they've had about a few bad touches to start the game in the headstand, if they can just get them back in the game a little bit earlier than they would have done without that intervention, there's a role to be played. And it's got to be somebody with a big personality. It's got to be somebody that the players respect and trust. Um, having watched Ryan Bowman be captain on Saturday and say nothing to anybody for 90 minutes and be very selfish with the opportunities he received on the ball, you can see a bad captain on the pitch. And then I think maybe sometimes you don't value a good captain, but you can certainly spot it when there isn't one there and the ship's a little bit rudderless. And then it's, you know, if we've got a Sam Ricketts in the dugout, which stands like a statue for 90 minutes, somebody's got to be steering the ship somewhere. So um, my choice after all that was shade Dunkley because he seems like a good egg.
2: <laughs> so a couple of things you said there, Mike, about, you know, supporting people on the pitch. I'll back up down a little bit and I don't think you need to be captain to do that. I think if Shay Dudley doesn't have the armband, he can still be that talker on the pitch.
1: Certainly agree. But, certainly agree.
2: But I think um, a captain has a part to play, like you say, not just on the pitch, but potentially off the pitch. My understanding from when I used to interview captains is they were often that link between the, the manager and the team and that they got special access to the manager that the other people didn't. So it needed to be somebody that the manager could work with, but also that the players felt comfortable with. And there's, there's an element to that, I think, that matters as well. We've had periods in our history where we've had two captains and we've had a club captain and a team captain because there might be an individual at the club who was a real leader in that way off the pitch but they were at a place in their career or ability-wise where they weren't a guaranteed starter. So you'd have two, somebody who wore the armband on the pitch, but somebody else leading off it. And I suppose that that's my concern about the team captain, that there's that expectation that they'll be on the pitch every week. And, you know, Ryan Bowman, as we've said, has had the armband in pre-season. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with the idea that Ryan Bowman's an automatic selection for our team because you know we talk. I don't think any of us are from the conversations we've had in this pod and the last one about uh, you know where we need to strengthen the squad still. So Ryan Bowman feels like an odd pick to me because I just don't see how he's how he's that automatic starter unless you put him in the club captain role, on making the off the field leader. In which case, he, I, I don't know him well enough. I'm supposed to be the best judge of that, but there seems to be more obvious candidates than him to me for that role as well. So for that reason, I'm with the everybody else, actually. Shea Dunkley for me, is the obvious leader in our squad and should be our captain on and off the pitch.
0: Yeah, I can see why you guys have done that. I'm going to go for an evidence-based decision and Bowman's been our captain in pre-season and maybe he's the wild-card pick. Um, it would be quite a, an odd choice, uh, given the things you hear about last season and the squad, etc. But yeah, I'm going to go for Bowman on a bit of a wild-card option. Dan? Yeah,
3: I just one point. I mean, I, obviously, I made my case. I, 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 don't, I don't buy an awful lot of that, but that's cool. You know, that, that's 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 all good. Um, but I think the point about being a liaison between manager and team, I think that's moved on, Chris. That all of these sides have management groups now. They'll have three or four players. Um, yeah, normally, pros. Yeah, uh, well, n- not always as well. Sometimes you spot someone who's twenty-one, who's um, yeah, you know, like who's, a got, Rice, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Who's got that that something about them, and and that something about them exists whether they've got an armband on, whether they're good at predicting whether a 50p can land on our heads or not. That 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 something exists. And I think that's quite important to um um to 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 remember that management groups now define clubs in, in a way that I just don't think they did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So so for me, if we've got a strong management group, I'm much more interested in that. And and I could see why Bowman might be a part. I've never met the bloke. I've got no idea who he's like off the field. But if he's a senior player who actually talks sense and people listen to, then then that's that's a contribution he can he can actually make, isn't it? And Harry Burgoyne's certainly in that category because he's not going to play much. But by all accounts, he's he's a good bloke to have off you know off the field
0: on your side. Yeah, there's a number of players. Elliot Bennett could probably play that role as well, yeah. um, do that as well. So yeah, a number of number of options there. Um, so kind of going back to um, other different options. Who are you guys going for player of the season, Mike?
1: Uh, along with the sort of general thread of pessimism, I've gone for Marco Morosi because I think he's going to be incredibly busy this season. Um, <laughs> he had a really good season last season. Um, I think he, he, he's an excellent goalkeeper. The, the rumours that he was potentially leaving, uh, I'm glad they haven't come true so far. Um, I think we'd be we'd be a much poorer side without him. And I just think that, he does everything well and he's one of the better goalkeepers we've had. Well, we've, we've been blessed with a lot of good goalkeepers recently, and he continues that trend actually. So, um, I think Marco Morosi is going to have a standout season again. Um, that was my choice. What about you, Dan? Abbott? what did you go for? Um, I, I let me check with the
3: Morosi one because it does very much fit in with the narrative. You're nothing if not consistent, Mike, and that's always good, but 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 you're dead right. If, if the goalkeeper's player of the year, then it does worry me a little bit. Um, what I would say about it, I hope his kicking improves a bit. There are times when his kicking's all right, and there are times when it goes a bit left field. I mean, have you
1: yeah, his yeah I'd agree with that. Yeah, his, his kicking can, oftentimes, you know, he can pump it out of playing stuff. But um, I think if he was a better kicker, he wouldn't be playing. in the league oh, yeah, one. Yeah. That might be the thing holding him moving on, you see. So hope it Absolutely. doesn't get too much better because somebody will buy him.
3: Fair comment, yeah. Who would I go for, though? I would go for, well, given I'm not totally sure how to spell uh, to pronounce his surname, I'd go for Noah, Noah Kay. Um, um, because it looks to me like he has got something in the middle of the park. He's got this great pedigree with Leeds. Um, and I, I, I've heard good reports, like you, Chris, I've not seen too much of this stuff, but I've heard good reports about how he can put his foot in in the middle of the park. So I'm hoping that he he plays there, and Winchester's about 15 yards in front of him, and then Bayless about 15 yards in front of him as well. That that would be, I think, a midfield that looks like he's got something, and 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 Kenner would be an important part of it. So I'm going for him, um, perhaps more in hope than anticipation, but... Um, We'll see how that pans out.
2: I've gone for Daniel Udo. Goals are the kind of thing that stands out for supporters. And I I fancy Dan Udo to get a fair few this season. So for me, that puts him firmly in the mix for player of the year. So, yeah, he's my pick. And I'd love to be right because that means he's had a good season. And, you know, if if this is the last season we see of Dan Udo in a Shrewsbury shirt, I want to enjoy it because he's one of those infectious guys that it's just great to watch. You know, He's one of those players fans will remember for a long time, in the same way that we still talk about Sean Wally. Uh, I think Dan Udo is one of those we'll remember in 10 years' time, long after he's gone from our colours. So you don't get that many of those anymore because of the high turnover in players. You you don't get somebody who the fans really feel belongs to them. And Dan Udo has been that for us. And yeah, I can't, I'm can't. i delighted he's back and I hope it goes well for him.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure he'll be remembered if he leaves this week after one... Decent season. Oh,
2: don't say that again, Ollie. I refuse to believe it. He's not leaving this week. He's here to, He's but, here till um, the end of the season. I don't want to hear anything season,
0: else. <laughs> but yes, if he has a good season this season, yeah, he'll definitely oh, oh, oh. be a player to remember. Um, and yeah, I've put him as my potential player of the season as well in terms of, yeah, he's one of the best players in the squad. Um, and he's, yeah, he's one of the shining lights and one of the reason why we can get quite excited this season, I think. And um, yeah, fingers crossed he's recovered well from his ACL and he can kick on this season have a really, really good season. Um, so, yeah, I went for Dan Uddeau. Um And then looking wider across the division, um, in no particular order, uh, we'll just try and keep it generic. Um, we're going to go now through League One promotion, then look at League One relegation, and then a bit of a dark horse pick. Um, Chris has been quite tactical here with his dark horse pick, I have to say. Um, but then, yes. So, looking at um, promotion, Mike, who, which teams have you gone for?
1: I'll just say this is the part of the podcast where I may as well just pull out for you know 10 minutes because I don't really know anything about <laughs> other teams in our leagues I'll be honest with you i watched the town I, I couldn't tell you who plays for Cambridge or who's up front for Oxford no idea so I mean I wrote down because I had to put something in. um self-promotion so Derby and Bolton because they're big clubs and then I, I don't really know who else so um I assume the big clubs will, will get another good run at it um, and they seem to be getting tipped everywhere else so that's me this next section for me is going to be pretty light I'll let you guys get into the detail on it um, Dan probably knows more than me what do you reckon?
3: Well, I'm not sure I do, and uh, um, that's one, one side that none of us went for was Pompey. And I did think about Pompey, but why did I think about Pompey? Because they're a big club. <laughs> I, I don't really know the ins and outs of their, you know, their recruitment strategy. But um, so, so I, I sort of went down the same route as you, you Mike. I went went for my instincts and der- Derby. I mean, you know, you, you've got to think that there'll be some there or thereabouts. Charlton strike me as another big club who, um, when they get it right, are, are likely to be. Yeah, I'd likely be up, up near the top because they see themselves arguably as a Premier League club still. So I think Charlton will sooner or later get it right. And and Bolton would would also be in the same camp. Strong last year, got something to build on. Really know much about their recruitment, but um, but they were my third pick. So I went Derby, Charlton and Bolton and thought long and hard about Pompey.
2: <laughs> Pompey's an interesting one, isn't it, Dan? They seem to fail year after year when people yeah. expect more from them. and. This year, I have looked at their recruitment, and I think they've got their, their approach isn't that dissimilar to ours. They've they've gone for young players who with energy, and but they've done it with more money than us. So they've got young players that we can't afford, like they've got Christian Sadie and people like that. But I don't know. They've also got an untested manager, just as untested as ours, frankly. And who knows? It could go really well for them. I've just got a feeling it won't. I don't know why. Their manager so they, choice is
3: very interesting, isn't it? You yeah, know, that, Jose, that is a uh, left field call. I was going to say
2: Jose Mazzinio, Mazzinio. isn't it? Massino. yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, he did all right at the end of last season, but he was a surprising pick. And I don't know; I've just got a feeling that they won't be right up there. I'm, I, you know, I might be totally wrong, but they're not in my pick. My, I've gone for Bolton and Derby, just like every, just about everybody else. It seems Bolton have invested well this summer; seem to have a good squad. Derby, as you say, they're a big club. We all expect Derby to be somewhere there or thereabouts. And then I've got a bit more of a wild card for the playoffs, I suppose, in that I've put Wickham Wanderers down because since they signed Luke Leahy, I have been looking at what they've done and I've got to say their transfer business looks encouraging. They have brought in some good loans, some good permanent signings, and I've just got a feeling they're gonna be right in the mix certainly for the playoffs. And if they get in the playoffs, then anything goes and I could see them I could see them winning it. And you know, that'd be the fairy tale for Luke Leahy and it would justify his move, I suppose, if he goes and wins promotion to the championship this season. So I've put Wickham in there as a, a slight a slight risky one. I could have gone for more obvious picks, but yeah, there we go.
0: Cool, and I went for um, for Derby, um, Bolton Wanderers, and Blackpool. I think mean, Blackpool's done some good recruitment, obviously. Two, former Troopsy Ten players there with Pennington and Norburn making the way to Blackpool. So I think they've got a good squad. They've got a good manager as well. He's gone back to Blackpool, and I think they'll be a strong force. Um, but yeah, I think I think there will be some some wildcard entries in there this season. It's yeah, I think the the top of the the table is is going to be interesting to see who settles up there. Um, but certainly, as we said already, this, the division is not as hard as it was last season. Then looking at the bottom um, of the table, and Chris, um, who did you go for for relegation? No order uh, again.
2: Uh, yeah, I've gone for Cambridge United. I can see, I mean, we, we, they struggled last year. They they had a strong finish to get away with it. But uh, since then, you know, I don't see anything exciting in their recruitment. Exeter, they've lost some good players this summer. I'm not sure they've been able to replace them with the quality of what's gone out. So I could see them being down there. Northampton have come up. I don't think they've got enough to be anything but in a relegation battle. So I've put them in the bottom three and then I've gone with Carlisle United as well. I just, I just don't think they've got enough either. You know, we were able to go in there and take Morgan Feeney away from them. Clearly financially, they're not in a great place either. I see them in the mix. I think I, you know, I, one of the, I haven't gone for the favorites to go down. Everybody seems to think Cheltenham are doomed to this season. I don't know why I just, I've been impressed by Wade Elliott. I thought he did well last season and taking them to 16th and, He's lost Alfie May, but I think he's recruited pretty well. And I've just got a feeling Cheltenham might just have enough to stay up with it. I just think they might just get away with it. So I've left them out of my four.
0: Mike, who who's, who's, share your wisdom.
1: <laughs> wisdom. Um, I just went for Cheltenham on this one because we basically robbed half of their backroom staff and a few of their players. So if all of them are coming over to us, they must be really buggered. Um, and everybody else seemed to be having them for a relegation. So I thought I'd just jump on their grave, essentially. So Cheltenham <laughs> were only picking this one. Um and, and I'm just enjoying hearing from you guys because I feel like I'm more informed now about what's coming up than I was at the start of the pod. So yeah, crack
0: on. Dan, did you go for? Yeah, again, I,
3: you know, as if we've got any authority to make any big claims on any of this. I mean, I, I thought Cheltenham; it looked like they that they might be, uh, they might be in a position where they're they're, they're they're struggling. But as Chris said, I mean, you know, they they they've done pretty well over the last few years, and, and also, Wade Elliott's it's a good. It's a good manager. So I, I think, you know, I've gone for them, but I mean, you know, I won't be putting the mortgage on it. Cambridge looked to me to be a club who, who, who only just stayed up last year. I don't sense they've done anything radically different this year, but um, but I, I don't know that either. So I went for Cambridge. Um, Port Vale, simply because um, they will go down, folks, because I don't like going there. Um, that's it. That's why they're going down. Um, now, the fourth one, I thought long and hard about going totally left field and saying Reading right now red don't let's not be about the bush red in away is my dream fixture right it's just around the corner and when you've got 125 miles to get to own game you know red in is. i've been pleading for those buggers to get relegated for years and they have which is great um and they're permanently under sort of a cloud there's transfer embargoes one's just come back in place now um they've got an owner who really doesn't seem to give a monkey's about them uh, he just wants to sell, but only at a price that no one's going to buy. So all of this smacks of a club that, that might really shock them. And of course, this league does have a history of sides going through. You know, Pompey went down to lead two to come back. Other sides have done that. So Reading, Reading could go up or could go down. I, I got a feeling that we're going to be one or the other. I don't think they're going to be muddling along. Um, and part of me nearly said that they could be the dark horses for relegation. So I've actually went for them for fifth for bottom. I know we're not allowed to pick five. Um... And, and that means I've gone for a really boring one in, in Northampton as my fourth choice. But let, let's have a, have a let's have a think about Reading as well, guys. I've got a feeling their season may be way tougher than, than many folks realise. Many folks outside yeah. of Berkshire realise.
0: Yeah, Reading are an absolute basket case. Um, and, yeah, clubs like the West, I have no patience. You know, we always have to have these shitty clubs in our division um, where we pay the bills, we pay the taxman and... Yeah, it seems, if it's any old body, right. I've
3: got, I've got I, I agree with the sentiments in general terms, but you won't find a Reading fan disagreeing with that. They're
0: no, sick, but it's just
3: death of the old, yeah, I'm sure they it. are
0: as well. Yeah, the caveat's always it's not fair on the fans and all that kind of stuff, but um, yeah, my patience gets quite thin with this. Like, look at Wigan, you know, when it got they they managed to win League One, get into the Championship, um, take that, take that place and, instead of someone else, and they couldn't afford it, and luckily. I don't. Know, it's, just a, it's just a miracle, isn't it, that these clubs manage to find white knights? Not every club does, Barry, but some clubs seem to find white knights that come out of nowhere and buy the club. Um, it's also but, yeah.
2: frustrating for me, Ollie. You get clubs like Reading. How they, the, the, the EFL seems to sometimes just do strange things, which almost help them. So they've been under transfer embargo for ages. About yeah. A couple of weeks ago, that transfer embargo got lifted. In the space it's of they three paid days, a, a they signed four players, including the likes of Charlie Savage, and then they're promptly back under a transfer embargo now. So how were they allowed? To, they're under a transfer embargo now for non-payment of a tax bill. Presumably that tax bill wasn't paid when they were signing Charlie Savage and all the other guys they've signed in the last week. Don't, don't so you love it? What, why were tax, they allowed to
3: pay tax? Is an optional extra. As far as I'm aware, I have to pay my tax. Yeah, uh, that's and, a and joke. Yeah. What, what's going yeah, on here? Just, I have to say there was a there was a tweet earlier this week by I presume it was you or me uh, when Reading were signing somebody. It was Reading women, I think, were signing somebody. Yeah. And they gave me. it. Oh. Have a guess who's back? And Ollie, Ollie, did anyone else see this? Did you see what he put? HMRC. <laughs>
0: and
3: I, I thought it was quite a good line actually, because it's highly likely they will be back, right?
0: Yeah,
1: no. That's, Quality posting that, yeah, yeah. yeah I like it's
0: that. Um, um, yeah. Peterborough are in trouble as well. And um, their owner sold half their club for a couple of million and then took a three million pound loan out for eighteen percent interest. Mm. That's, that's a terrible. Doesn't <laughs> sound like a very good deal. A great years deal ago. doesn't it? Yeah. So they're they're under trouble as well, and obviously Fleetwood's owners in jail. Um, So, yeah, there's a few basket cases in there. And, And there's also a few clubs, I think, that have struggled for the last few years. Cheltenham, for me, are one of them. Cambridge as well, always one of the worst teams we've seen um, I think that Northampton always seem to struggle at this level as well and yeah um, I've put Carlisle in there as well so I went from Cheltenham Northampton yeah. Cambridge and Cambridge Carlisle
3: last year I, I saw them away remember I know we battered them at home yeah. was, I think it was the day your lab was mascot Chris wasn't it but believe awesome. you me they were every bit as poor away and they beat us 2-1 um, so yeah. Yeah, they, unless they've really booked their ideas up I think they'll probably be in for a long campaign yeah
0: cool and then um, for Dark Horses can I just say final this, is, this is the Do bit I
3: mean? about this podcast I've been looking forward to all day when i I saw the preview mike talk us through the dark horse
1: yeah just when you said that i was being consistent i've become very inconsistent (laughs) and uh, I've i've gone for shrewsbury because again you know it's the hope that kills you i think you know there's loads of risk in our in our um in our model there's there's some there's some sort of method to the madness and if they can make it click we can be a dark horse i think i think you know If if all these players are as good as people say they are and the managers learn from his mistakes at at Walsall and and can get a a defined way of playing and a plan B in place, you know, Shrewsbury have shown last season under Steve Cottrell that we can do it. And so, you know, Dark Horse horse potential to do it again. So that's where I was coming from with that. And because I didn't know anything about any of the other clubs in the league, what the hell else was I supposed to put? So I stuck Shrewsbury down. There you go. Correct me if I'm
2: wrong, Mike, but you do this most seasons, don't you? I think this is your usual approach. Dark Horse, Shrewsbury time.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's sort of win-win, isn't it? You know, if it works, great. If not, you know, you don't look stupid. Well, stupid
3: here <laughs> anyway. Well, I have to say, in all seriousness, it's it's proper football fans' mentality. You know, in the end, there's plenty of reasons that it's all rubbish. You know, much like life itself. But you know, in exactly. the end,
1: you never know.
3: You, you never, never know exactly, and that's
1: why I'll be there on Saturday, even despite right. all the doom and gloom. Yeah.
0: And it's funny you say that because um, I did do a poll before the podcast started. You know, about 400 people or so have voted. And I said, where do you think Shooter Town will finish? Um, 10% of fans agree with you, Mike, thinking that we're going to get in the playoffs. So that would make us a dark horse. Um, 52% thinks we're going to finish mid-table. 32% finish, think we're going to finish just above the relegation zone. And the 6% of fans who, I wonder if they're season ticket holders, have, uh, think we're going to get relegated. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of expectations. So a lot of pressure on, on Matt Taylor um expectations to con- continue um and yeah if we don't start well i'd be interested to see yeah how the, how the fans react to that but back to the kind of the dark horses chris has been very calculated i have to say in his approach well, sorry, I, um he's I, I been sensible it's very no, I'm sensible
2: gonna i'm going to be bold i've changed it
0: you changed it. Okay, go ahead.
2: So, well, I put my second pick. I was going to go for Oxford because they came 20th last year. They almost went down. A lot do of people are saying do well they, could, this they year. could
0: be do really well this year. But,
2: but they've thrown a lot of money at it, so I'm not sure it counts as a dark horse. I thought I, I felt like I was gaming the system, as it were, by picking Oxford as my dark horse. But so I'm going to give you a proper off. dark horse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Stevenage. They've come up from League 2. Uh, but my understanding on stuff I've read is I've, I've seen Steve Evans claiming that they've got a top-half budget and they're not here to make up the numbers. They seem to have signed a couple Very of players. Very Steve Evans to say, though, isn't it, to be fair? It no, is, but to be involved. fair to Steve Evans, with the exception of his spell at Gillingham, he's got a yeah. lot of success on his CV. Absolutely, so don't like to say it, but I agree with you. Mm. I could see Stevenage surprising a few people, uh, and for, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe the playoffs might be asking a bit much. But you know, the point of a dark horse is someone who might surprise us. Also, yeah, I've gone with Stevenage, Ollie. There you go. I'm not. I'm not being sensible. I, I'm, I'm doing it properly.
0: Cool. So yeah, uh, and my uh, my dark horse, um, I went for Lincoln. I think they've done some good recruitment. Um, I thought they uh, the manager settled in quite well, and I think they could have a good season. So that's who I went for. And Dan, who did you go for?
3: Well, it's fine. I thought about Stevenage. I know someone who plays there. It's just he just moved there, and I me the impression that he, he won't move in there just just for the crack. You know that the, there's a project, and that Evans has done this stuff before. I and mean, I don't find him a particularly attractive human being, but um, but he, he is definitely um, he, he is definitely the man who could build a project. So so I did think about going there. And of course, we're going to see them. Uh, in week two of the season Um, but ultimately I I thought Lake Orient had a really good season last season I like Omar Beckles I've always been a fan of Beckles never played in in his right position for Shrewsbury yet never let us down of course part of that famous 17-18 season so part of me just wants Lake Orient to do well because because of Omar Beckles Um, but I also think they did very very well last year they were impressive winners of league two and, you know, maybe they'll take that
0: into League One this season. Um, we were planning on doing like some changes to the rules, but um, yeah, I'm going to skip that. We can do that another week maybe, or if, you've, if you're if really interested, you can have a look online. Basically, um, we're going to be a bit stricter on time on time wasting and, and add more time on. Um potentially more cars have been a dickhead basically. Um, it's a simple way of putting it um, in terms of you know, rest being a bit stricter. Um, so then looking ahead, I thought it be interesting just to get like a bit of a flavour of the start of the season and So, yeah, Chris, what do you think? So, the question is, you know, predict the Cheltenham game, which is going to be a fascinating game. (laughs) Is it the Mickey Moore derby? Um, And, yeah, what's your kind of expectations for the kind of first five, ten games of the season? Okay, so we've we've traditionally
2: done fairly badly in opening games of the season in recent years. So I'm hoping new regime, fresh start, we can change that. This is a game that we've got a target as a win, and yes, we've got a new look side. But so have Cheltenham. I've gone for us to win that game three-one. I just fancy us to go out there, take it to them. And uh, yeah, get the points on the board early and that'll be important for us. But I do think over those first five or 10 games, we're going to see a few ups and downs because you know we've talked already about all the changes and all the young players we've got coming in. I'm sure we won't be that consistent at first as things settle down. So we'll have the odd good result, but I can see a couple of stinkers as well. So yeah, first five or 10 games, you know, I could see us easily two or three wins, but equally three or four defeats as well and find ourselves lower mid table at that point. But then hopefully something to build on and push on as the season progresses.
0: Mike, what's your expectation?
1: Yeah, again, sort of inconsistent with the pessimism. I think we're going to win 1-0 because, again, it's the hope that kills you. I think Dan Udo is going to score. I don't think we're going to be brilliant. I think we're going to hit them on the break and we're going to score one goal and that will be that. But we'll all go home happy with that, I think. And then after that, I think, I think like everybody's saying, it's going to be a fairly rocky build, um, bedding in new players, bedding in new systems. So, you know, we'll pick up points here, we'll lose games we shouldn't there, And... Just hopefully we don't... It's not one of those starts of the season where you get cut adrift early. You just want to be in touch, don't you, after the first 10 games. So, yeah, that's what I'm expecting.
0: About you all? Yeah, it's very similar, mate. I think... Well, actually, I actually, not so very similar. I think we're going to lose to Cheltenham. Um, one, because I just think my my timeline will be full of Cheltenham fans um, because I predicted them to finish bottom of the league table. Um, and, yeah, it's been quite a fun banter. They do seem like a good bunch, to be fair to them. Um, there's a lot of, lot of good Cheltenham fans who have been, yeah... Um, commenting um, on as we steal all their players, and also not only steal their still players they were supposed to sign, steal the backroom staff, um, steal their kit. Um, yeah, there's been quite, they've been quite good fun. So I think we'll lose actually in the first game of the season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to be quite a bit of pressure actually on Matt Taylor to start with. Um, I think that pressure will probably pass on to the chairman as well. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm not overly hopeful, but I think I think we'll come through. Like as Dan said at the start, I think the narrative will be positive. As we get closer to Christmas, but I think it will take a bit of time to bed in, um, and hopefully also it might take a bit of time to get to that end of the, the transfer window as well and sign a few more players. But yeah, Dan, what's your what's your thoughts?
3: Um, again, you know, rubbish at predictions to be honest. Um, so so take it with a pinch of salt. But I think that Saturday's game will be awful. Um, I think both sides will look like they need about five more games to get into it, and I think one of them is going to win one nil, and I've got a feeling it might be us. Um, so and, and I think it's something like a Dan Uddeau goal would, would, would be where you go, wouldn't it? Because he's got that X factor that, that, that you know, you, need, you need when you're going to pick up you know, vital 1-0 victories. So I'm going to say we'll win 1-0. I don't expect it to be pretty. I think there'll be a lot of people who are finding their feet in both sides. I and mean, if you look at our first 10 games... And I think you could, you see the table after 10 games and there's an awful lot of stability in that table, you know, through the rest of the season. There's always one or two sides who, you know, start well and fade and whatever. But in general, if you're doing well after 10 games, you do well after 46. Um, and I think our first 10 games could be worse. Um, I think there's a few sides in there who goodness knows that with Fleetwood. I mean, goodness knows where they're going to go, you know as we've just said that they're a funny funny sort of side but I think there's a number of games there that we could quite potentially win so I've got a feeling that after 10 games we'll have more, won more or less as many as we've lost and as we've drawn so we'll be in a bit of a limbo position in terms of not knowing where this side is going and I'd probably take it to be honest, because it will mean that we have at least managed to get some points on the board and, and, and hopefully the glue will be sit, set in a bit more in terms of the formation we play and the players getting to know one, one another. So, cautiously optimistic that we won't be in the bottom four after 10 games, but would we'll be very surprised if we're higher than 12.
0: Brilliant. And yeah, cheers, guys. Any final thoughts? I have one question.
3: Well, I saw on social media earlier today that we were all... Ask we being the Shrewsbury Town fan base, to name some songs for the pre-match playlist. All right? And I, I know very little about football, but I know even less about music. All right, that, that, Let me be clear on this. But I wonder, if, can I ask each of you, you got one song, folks? Catch Us If You Can is in there. Forget that. But what, what song, if you had the choice for the penultimate song before
0: we run onto the pitch, what are you going for? I'm going to say one song and we definitely shouldn't play. Uh, Oh, that's not the question. Sorry, on, I mean, yeah, Sweet Caroline. Is that not a post-match song anyway? I'm also very conscious my battery's going.
3: Oh, they go quick then, Chris.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crikey! If you think you know little about music, Dan, that is absolutely my weak spot. Oh, god. Uh, this is you the kind of thing I really don't more. care about. I don't go to the football to listen to the music.
0: I, I don't really care what we come out to. We didn't ask you you cared about, Captain, <laughs> <laughs> over Yeah, Mike, okay. Mike come you on, hit me one. Here.
3: Hit
1: me one, Mike. Who, what oh, I'm such a pessimist. Hard knock life. I think we play that as we run out and oh. just hope that we can uh, you know, well, survive I, the season. I, I but I mean, again, pro- it's broadly irrelevant to me because I don't turn up until about five to three. Anyway, so well, I usually make all the people stand up when the team are coming out. You, you threw rubbish, okay. I even yes.
3: responded to this at the time. I don't know what, I think it was in a queue, picking my kids up from an activity camp. And I went for Transvision Vamp, I Don't Care. It's a brilliant 1980s pop song. Gets you out of your seat. And it's called I Don't Care, Mike. I just want, you know... Let's I like the it. vibe. Don't I'm care. up for the vibe so, on that one. It though. is all about vibes. It is yeah, all if about you're listening, vibes. guys, Transvision Vamp, let's have it.
2: I'm going to go yeah. and listen to it, Dan.
0: Maybe <laughs> I don't care. No, sorry, sorry. On, on that note... <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back again in a few weeks' time. And, uh, yeah, fingers crossed we can have a good season. Cheers, Ollie.
1: Cheers, up.